It's 4.30 and time for Valley Voices on KDNK. I'm Amy Haddon Marsh, your host, and joining me by phone today is longtime wild horse and burrow advocate Suzanne Roy. She is the executive director of the American Wild Horse Campaign. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really great to be talking to you today. I appreciate your taking the time. Yeah, the American Wild Horse Campaign worked on a recent investigation with a New York Times reporter on wild horses being sold into slaughter. What seems like individuals gaming the Bureau of Land Management's Adoption Incentive Program, or the AIP. The article was published earlier this month and is sort of the straw that broke the Mustang's back, so to speak, in terms of just another glimpse into bad management practices on the part of the BLM. But before we get into that article, I mean, that's sort of the premise of um, why I asked if you would be on the show. But mm-hmm. before we get into that article, Suzanne, your website, uh, the American Wild Horse Campaign, says that the fate of wild horses in this country is at a tipping point. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I think um, the the wild horse, okay, we are in the 50th year of the Wild Free Roaming Horses and Burrows Act. That is the law that was passed to protect wild horses as living symbols of the pioneer spirit of the West, kind of living symbols of our history and culture. And for 50 years, the agency charged with managing them has been terribly, horribly mismanaging them and has focused on rounding up these animals from the public lands they call home, thousands of them every year, and stockpiling them in holding facilities, basically taking these wild free-roaming horses and putting them in pens for life. And this problem has escalated to a tipping point now where we have 50,000 wild horses and burros in government holding facilities and a plan that's being implemented that was created under the Trump administration and being implemented right now to round up 90,000 more wild horses from public lands over the next five years. And this will triple the number of horses in holding facilities and, and basically break the bank of the BLM. It's going to cost a billion dollars and it's going to lead to the slaughter of these iconic cherished animals. And in fact, as you mentioned, um, and the New York Times article shows, it's already happening. The continued focus on rounding up horses instead of humanely managing them in their habitats is already sending wild horses to slaughter. And so we feel that this is a moment in time with a new administration and then hopefully commitment to science-based and humane management that we might be able to shift, finally, the focus of this program. Well, talk about what the Wild Free Roaming Horses and Burrows Act was supposed to do. Right. It was supposed to 
protect wild horses and burros from capture, branding, harassment, and death, and it proclaimed that they should be considered as natural components of the public lands where they're found. And so basically saying they're an important part of the landscape of the public lands where they live, and they should be treated humanely and not slaughtered. The whole point, the reason the law was passed was because there were so few wild horses and burrows left that they were threatened. They were threatened with complete eradication from the West, and they were being slaughtered, uh, captured, and slaughtered. And so the law was passed to protect them from slaughter. Um, and yet, the way the BLM has managed them is absolutely resulting in the slaughter of these uh, uh, wild horses and burrows. Yeah. Right. It, you know, to my way of thinking, um, and I I did a master's thesis on wild horse management and spent time with the BLM locally. Uh, and it seems to me that the Bureau of Land Management's management practices ha- uh, have cut these animals short from the get-go um, with administrative decisions about which herds to manage and which ones to zero out or take off the range. Mm-hmm. Attaching appropriate management levels or AMLs, which means what the BLM considers uh, the appropriate level of wild horses to any herd management areas, combining herd areas, and finally this the controversial helicopter roundups. I mean, I'm cramming a lot <laughs> yeah. into a few seconds here, but over 50, 50 years, five decades, the Bureau of Land Management has not changed its management practices really at all. Your thoughts? That's right. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely right. I mean they they use the most outdated and the cruelest method of managing these horses, helicopter roundups, and they've set a population limit for the horses of just sixteen thousand to twenty seven thousand. Uh, wild horses and burrows on 27 million acres of land. And just, you know, for comparison, that is fewer than the number of horses that were left in the West when Congress protected them because they were fast disappearing. So they want to drive their numbers back to those basically extinction-level population limits. And the reason is they want the land for cattle grazing. And so that's what this is all about. It's maintaining the, the status quo of livestock being allocated three out of four units of forage in the habitat areas for wild horses. Um, so the preferential treatment of, wild, of, of livestock and the management of horses almost as though they're not federally protected icons, but rather pests for the ranchers. Hmm. And so that's where we get into the perpetual system of roundups um, because they're removing them from the public lands where the cattle are grazing. You know, originally with the the Wild Horse and Burrow Protect um, the Wild Free Roaming Horses and Burrows Act. Originally, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, <clears throat> but the original law, the original act stated, I don't have it in front of me, that I'm going strictly off memory, 
But management was supposed to prioritize wild horses and burros in the land, on the land, on the range where they were found, basically the herd areas, Mm -hmm. not herd management areas, but the herd areas. Mm -hmm. When did Mm -hmm. that change? Well, the law was amended several times in the uh, 90s, 80s and 90s. There was the um, flip month, it's called, Federal Land Management Policy Act, and then there's PREA. The, what does PREA stand for? <laughs> I, I don't know PREA, that, but, but FLIPMA was 1976. Was, yeah, 1976, yeah. right. FLIPMA and then PREA. And they these amendments to the Wild Horse Act um, weakened it substantially. And, um, of course, they were pushed by the lobbying groups for the livestock industry. And so they have um, allowed the agency to... Uh, conduct these practices and it's it's very difficult to um, stop it now uh, because they basically the law was amended to allow the imposition of these so-called appropriate management levels and a policy that's that's centered around reducing the population to those levels and but on the other hand we have been to court numerous times over violations of the Wild Horse Act. And we have established at the appellate court, actually in the 10th Circuit where Colorado is, that the BLM, just because the horses are over the appropriate management level, it doesn't mean that they have to remove them. They have to decide, A, that there is an overpopulation, which doesn't equate with over AML. It's supposed to be based on rangeland conditions. And then they also have to um, determine that their uh, removal is necessary to restore the ecological balance. So it's a two-step process. And even if they decide there's an overpopulation, removal is not required. They have the discretion to implement other methods of uh, management. So they can implement a fertility control program to reduce the population over time. They have a federal regulation that allows them to um, reduce or eliminate livestock grazing to make forage available for wild horses. Uh, And so there, there are options available to the BLM besides removal. It is not an absolute requirement. But there's also a principle in the law, which is deference to agency discretion. So they do have broad discretion, but they don't utilize other methods, but the courts are deferential to the agency's decision. So it makes it hard to stop the roundup um, legally through the courts. And and <clears throat> what I've found and what I know other advocates have said over the years, I got I first got involved in this issue in 2006. That's a whole other story. But what I've found that has sort of, and other advocates sort of agree with me, is that the Bureau of Land Management does not really listen to anyone unless it's an official scientist contracted by the BLM or an, an official uh, census that's done by the BLM you know, uh, everything else is sort of uh, minimized. And 
um, that that makes it really frustrating because it's like the BLM knows everything about wild horse management. Nobody else knows anything, and um, you know, never the twain shall meet. Uh, and that can be really, really difficult um, to be able to talk to the agency about. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does. It does. And that, and that's one of the problems. No one. Um, the people that work in the agency in the wild horse program are not uh, ecologists. They're not wildlife biologists. They, they, they don't know how to manage a wildlife species, which wild horses are. They are a wildlife species. Um, and the people that do the rangeland assessments, when they get them done, because they don't even um, do that in a lot of cases with grazing allotments and things. Um, but they um, come from a livestock background and they're looking right. at rangelands, you know, rangelands as opposed to ecosystems and how the balance in those ecosystems and what role the horses are playing, and other wildlife and predators, you know, the whole thing. They don't have that experience they don't have that interest they look at the horses like livestock they manage them like livestock and you know what do you do with livestock unfortunately you harvest them right uh and um Mm -hmm. every every you know periodically Mm -hmm. so that's what they're doing with the horses but in this case there's no market for the horses because the um the numbers that they're removing are far in excess of adoption demand and then, um, you know, the American public opposes wild horse slaughter, period. We're not a horse-eating nation. We don't slaughter horses like we don't slaughter dogs. We don't slaughter cats. So it's, um, yeah, they just have this totally unsustainable system, but they're unwilling to change it. And part of the problem is they don't even know how to change it. They don't have the qualifications to know how to do it. So that's why we need a whole new, you know, science-based approach to managing the horses. Well, the BLM, you know, as you know, in 1946, that's when the BLM came into existence, and it came out of the General Land Office and the Grazing Service. That's what basically, I mean, that's basic history, but that's basically how what combined to form the Bureau of Land Management. So you're right, you know, it, it wasn't the, you know, general land office and the animal, um, I don't know, the animal, the humane society or something. But anyway, um, you know, I want to remind listeners that this is Valley Voices. I'm Amy Haddon Marsh. And my guest today is uh, Suzanne Roy, who is the executive director of the American Wild Horse Campaign. And we're talking about this incredibly convoluted and complicated issue that's Now in its 50th year, it's the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Wild Free Roaming Horses and Burrows Act. Um, But I want to move on to um, this New York Times investigation. We have maybe 12 minutes left. And I want to talk Mm -hmm. about the New York Times investigation that resulted in an expose that was published about 10 days ago. Um, And it has to do with the BLM's new or relatively new Adoption Incentive Program. What is that? And talk about this yeah. article, will you? Yeah, sure. That the, the Adoption Incentive Program was implemented in 2019, 
And it pays people $1,000 to adopt an untamed, unhandled wild horse or burrow. Um, and the payments come in two installments, one when you adopt the horse, and then one 12 months later when you get title to that horse. Um, so under the, under the Wild Horse Act, and the adoption program that was established to adopt a wild horse, you have to wait 12 months to get ownership of the animal, and you only get ownership after a compliance inspection shows the horse is being cared for properly. That's the way the system is supposed to work. It doesn't always and many times. But um, so what's happening is the adopters are... Uh, filling out the adoption paperwork, adopting horses, getting the first payment, putting the horses out in a big pasture somewhere. We're finding it's all people who live in states where land is cheap. Um, and uh, throwing the horses out there for a year, getting title to the horse, then waiting 30 to 60 days to get that, fi that second $500 payment, and then sending the horses to slaughter auction. And they're coming in in groups of multiples of four. So the BLM has a four horse per person adoption limit. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that families are adopting four horses each and then flipping them in a group to the kill pens, um, the slaughter auctions. And so we've uh, come across groups of as many as 20 unhandled wild horses. Um, and I think we just rescued 16 burrows, too. We, working in conjunction with rescue groups, Evanescent Mustang Rescue in Texas is a group that we've worked closely with on this investigation. So 20 horses sitting in a kill pen, um, and they were all rescued by Evanescent, and we got their titles, found out a family adopts them all, and they probably cleared $30,000 from that little venture of adopting 20 wild horses. Um, and so we, we started researching this information, working with the groups to get their titles to the horses, um, and then filing Freedom of Information Act requests to confirm that they were adopting a set of animals. And we, you know, the evidence is really compelling that people are pocketing the money and sending the horses to kill pens, essentially defrauding the taxpayers and it's a terrible end for these animals. So we contacted the New York Times, and um, they, uh, Dave Phillips, a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, uh, looked into the story. He had previously uncovered the BLM's illegal sale of 1,700 wild horses to a known kill buyer. Right in Colorado, Tom Davis. Yeah, mm -hmm. in, Right in Colorado, mm -hmm. right. So we worked with Dave. He followed up on a number of leads from our investigation, and he wrote a really very prominent piece in the New York Times that really documented what was happening, that this was happening, people were pocketing the money, and also he went to a BLM adoption and saw the number of people coming to these adoptions now. Previously, there were not that many people interested in horses, whatever. Now there's just lines of people and they will go and they, they don't even care what horse they're getting. They just fill out their adoption paperwork 
say, give me any four horses. And they take them. They probably have, you know, they know people or they own pastures where they put the horses out. They probably cattle pastures, right? Um, they just put the horses out. And then when they sell them to the, at the slaughter auction, they can make more money than they can by raising a cow. And it's all, you know, with our tax dollars. And so the AIP program has become a direct pipeline to slaughter, basically. And it's essentially a laundering mechanism for the BLM. Laundering, like horse laundering? Horse laundering? Yeah, like horse laundering. (laughs) They're moving horses out of holding. They know they're going to slaughter. But there's a congressional prohibition on the BLM selling horses to anyone who intends to sell them to slaughter. So they're, they're laundering them moving them out so they can round up more horses and um and they're not and they're not you know they're not prosecuting people because when they adopt when you adopt a wild horse you sign a contract swearing under penalty of perjury that you will not directly or indirectly sell this horse for slaughter and yet it's happening the BLM knows it and they're refusing to do anything about it how did they respond to the new york times piece do you do you know have you been trying to find that out Radio silence. They haven't responded. But we do know that they are continuing uh, to have adoption events where they are promoting Mm -hmm. the adoption incentive program. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, we, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We we submitted a a very, very documented evidence-filled report to the Interior Department. And we are hoping that the administration will take action to suspend this program and investigate it and hold people accountable. But as yet, there's been no comment and no response to our report. Well, we only have about four minutes left. I told you this half hour is going to go really fast. Um, I mean, it flies, yeah. Yeah, but I'm wondering, um, and, you know, I'll have to have you back on the show to talk a little bit more about solutions, but... What is what are some ideas that the that your group, the um, American Wild Horse Campaign, has? What are some ideas for solutions to this problem? This yeah, well, one one yeah, it's a long-standing problem, but there are solutions. And the first thing to know is that we're not talking about all public lands, right? The wild horses are only on 27 million of 155 million acres of BLM land grazed by livestock. So we should be able to solve these conflicts and and solve this management dilemma. Primary way to do that is through uh, fertility control, which is a humane way of managing wild horse populations and reducing population growth in areas where that's necessary. Um, We also advocate strongly for protection of predators because Wild horses are living on land where predators are eradicated for the benefit of the livestock industry. But mountain lions and wolves can and do prey on wild horses at significant levels and also burrows. And they can be a natural population regulating mechanism if they're not eradicated. And so that's another key point. And then what we're, we're asking for a reconsideration of those unscientific population limits um, that want to drive the population back to 
pre-Wild Horse Act population levels and allowing larger, more sustainable populations to live on the land and then managing them humanely through fertility control and really trying to uh, make progress toward true ecological balance by protecting predators. That's just a quick overview, there, but there are solutions on the table. My group is implementing a um, the largest fertility control program in the world in uh, Nevada, and we have a 3,000-horse population, and we've guarded over 1,400 uh, breeding-age mares, um, and we are seeing... Um, significant population uh, foaling reduction, a significant reduction in the foaling rate um, in just over two years of starting the program. So um, we know it works. We're showing it works. And now we just have to get the BLM to use it. Right, which is something uh, you and Ginger Catherine's and and, um, mm-hmm. you know, many other uh, advocates have been working on f- for, you know, what, 20, 30 years, 50 yeah. years, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe yeah. not you and Ginger yeah. for 50 years, but um, for a long time. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a really fascinating, frustrating uh, issue. And the horses are the ones that um, bat last. You know, I would really love to talk to you more about, you know, what what about the cattle and, you know, what about this, this um, what's it called? It's called the Path Forward, but we have no time left in this <laughs> show. And I wanted to, uh, could you quickly give us the website URL for uh, the American Wild Horse Campaign? Yeah, it's just AmericanWildHorseCampaign.org. And then you can find us on social media at Pre-Wild Horses. Well, thank you, Suzanne Roy, Executive Director of the American Wild Horse Campaign. Really appreciate your work, and thank you for taking the time to join me today. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it.